Hi guys, welcome back to Just the Good Stuff. This is your host, Rachel Mansfield, and today's guest on the show is a very dear friend of mine, the amazingly talented Monique of Ambitious Kitchen. Now, Monique and I became friendly a few years ago when I first started blogging, and she has been such an amazing resource and inspiration for women and entrepreneurs everywhere. With her delicious and healthy recipes, she is so incredibly talented in the kitchen and is a complete boss running her business full-time and her second business, Ambitious Home, with her husband and baby daddy, Tony. In this episode, Monique and I start from the very beginning. She shares why she started her blog in the first place, what her first job was post-college, and how that helped shape her for her current job and when she knew to leave to pursue Ambitious Kitchen full-time. Monique also tells us all about her journey with food and body image and overcoming her eating disorder after being hospitalized. We get the full rundown on how Monique runs her business, where she gets recipe inspo, and she is truly someone who just knows to outsource help to really help her business grow and continue to expand in a variety of ways, which is super commendable and something that I personally find very inspiring. Monique and I also dive into motherhood a bit and getting pregnant with her adorable son, Sydney, what it's been like introducing food to him so far, and just overall her transition into motherhood. I think you guys are going to love this episode as much as I loved chatting with Monique, and it was such a treat getting to chat and catch up with a friend for an hour and getting to share it with you guys. So I cannot wait to hear what you think of this episode. If you have a moment while listening to this episode, I would love to hear from you. Please take a moment to rate and review the podcast, screenshot you listening to it, tag me and our guest over on Instagram. This is such a great way to support the show and spread the love about all the different episodes. I absolutely love seeing when you guys are binging on the show and listening back to older episodes. I also love being just seeing which ones resonate the most with you guys and the guests that you love and what you want to see more of. It's always so helpful for me to hear from you. So thank you. Thank you so much for all of the support on the podcast so far. Now, before we dive into today's episode, I'd like to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Garden of Life. You guys know at this point that I am a dedicated Garden of Life groupie. I use so many of their products from like the chia and the flax seeds to vitamins, but especially the probiotics. What I love the most about Garden of Life is really how many options they have for everyone, especially within the probiotic category. I'm the type of person who likes to switch up their probiotics like every month or so or whenever like the bottle um, is done. I don't like to keep using the same one month after month after month. They say it's best for you to switch things up after you finish a bottle. And Garden of Life has so many amazing probiotic options. But my personal favorites right now are the CBD probiotic for stress relief. It is so good. It has 50 billion CFUs and 10 milligrams of CBD per capsule. It not only helps with your digestive system, but also your immune system and stress management. Sometimes I'll just take one like during the afternoon, like after lunchtime. And then I always take one again about an hour and a half or so after dinner swear by them, absolutely love them. And the other favorite of mine right now is the Raw Probiotics Ultimate Care, which has 100 billion CFU. So it's a little bit stronger of a probiotic and 34 probiotic strands to support your immune system, digestion, everything. They also have a shelf-stable one, which is great for travel. And like if you're going out for dinner and you want to carry it, it doesn't have to be in the fridge. Absolutely love it. It also just works really, really well. I swear by them. If I don't take a probiotic before I go to bed or after dinner, I'm like convinced I won't go to the bathroom in the morning, which 
maybe it's TMI, but you guys, I cannot recommend taking a probiotic right before you go to bed enough. What I also love about Garden of Life is that they're organic, non-GMO verified, and they truly make the best of the best. I linked to some of my favorites over on my shop page, rachelmansfield.com slash shop. And I linked to it over in the show notes, which is also the best way to support the show. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode and huge thank you to Garden of Life for being the today's sponsor. Monique, thank you so much for taking the time to come on Just the Good Stuff. I cannot believe the scheduling like fiascos that we've had. And then before I restarted my computer and it was like 310 and it said 49 minutes. I'm like, it won't be 49 minutes. And it, it wasn't, but it wasn't the three minutes I was hoping for. So I'm so sorry about that. But thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm so excited to chat with you and to have you share your story and tell us all of the things behind all the recipes we all love and enjoy so much. So thank you so much for coming. Well, thanks for having me. I'm super excited. You guys have had some amazing people on this podcast, so I feel very grateful. Well, you are one of the most highly requested guests to come on, which makes me so happy because it's like a dream to be able to just like podcast and talk to your friends. So it's just awesome to be able to bring people on like you who like, I know a lot about your story and like who you are and what you do, but to also like have you share that, especially with food. I think it's so cool to have like to humanize the food a bit. So to have people like hear from the Monique behind the Ambitious Kitchen. So speaking of that, I would love to kind of backtrack a bit like pre-vlogging days and have you share where did you go to college and what your first job was? What did you major in? Oh my gosh. Yeah, let's kick it back. Okay, so I went to college at the University of St. Thomas. No, it's not on the island. <laughs> it's in St. Paul, Minnesota. It's a small private school. It was way too expensive. I double majored in marketing management and uh, Kojo, which was communications and journalism. And my first job out of college, my first, like I always freelance. So I basically worked for myself right out of college because it was 2011 and I could not get a full-time job. It was just, you know, like the height of the recession and all of that. So it was really difficult. But finally, I ended up being full-time at General Mills doing social and digital marketing for a slew of food brands. Um, I worked on Gold Medal Flower, Betty Crocker, Pillsbury. So I did that for a couple of years and then started transition to doing Ambitious Kitchen full time. Did you grow up in Minnesota? I did. I'm from, yep, born and raised. And I moved to Chicago in 2014 because Tony, my husband, was originally from the Chicago area. Where was General Mills headquartered that you benefited? They're in Minneapolis. Oh, I've never been to that part of the country. I'm like, so it's everything so foreign to me there. So at what yeah. point did you start Ambitious Kitchen? And really, like, where did your love and passion and, like, talent for food come into play? Was that, like, in college or before college, after? Yeah, so I started Ambitious Kitchen in 2011. So I was in my senior year of college. And, you know, I always had a passion for food. My mom, she is Puerto Rican, full Puerto Rican. And so she was always, always cooking. It's just very, like, that part of, Food has always been in our family. My grandma is a phenomenal cook and baker. And then my dad, funny enough, was mostly a, the baker of the family. So between the two of them, I feel like I got just like a ton of experience being around food all of the time. 
And I just really, really loved it. In college, I gained weight. I wanted to sort of like reinvent some classic foods that my mom had always made me or that my dad had baked. And so I sort of just wanted a place to put it. And I started Ambitious Kitchen. A lot of people were not blogging at that time. It was like very foreign. But yeah, it was just done for fun. And I never dreamed that it would grow into this. Never started it for it to become like a full-time thing. It just grew and I'm so lucky and grateful. But yeah, that's kind of my story. You know, because when you started, it's like Instagram had just come out in around like 2011, like somewhere mm-hmm. the exact year, but around that time. But were there other blogs that you looked up to that you were kind of like, oh, these people are sharing recipes. Like maybe I can share recipes too. Yeah, there was a couple blogs. You know, one of the ones that I always like love to follow, she was a baking blog. It was like Sugar Plum Blog. She doesn't really blog anymore. I don't even know if she still has a website, but she always was baking and it was so much fun to follow like her journey. So I loved her blog. And then of course, like Pioneer Woman, I read How Sweet Eats, loved Jessica. So, you know, just like What's Gobby Cooking, a couple of just like the OG bloggers. And yeah, those were my favorites. That was like how I felt with Skinny Taste, like Gina from Skinny Taste. She was like the oh, first I love Gina. blog that I like ever started reading. And I remember my grandma turned me on to her. And then we, that was also, I think, when like Weight Watchers was so like relevant. I mean, I'm sure it's relevant for some people now, but that was when like I was like very into like points and calorie counting and stuff. And I remember reading Gina's blog and like, I love, like she's someone I personally just look up to. But like, I remember reading her blog and like, oh, wow, like, maybe that's something that could be done. Like people write about food. Like that sounds like a dream. Sounds like a dream yeah. job. Do you remember what your very first recipe was? Oh my God. Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> it was like a summer berry peach pie and literally didn't even write the recipe down. Like the photos actually aren't that bad. I mean, I think it was taken just like at a point and shoot because nobody really used DSLR cameras back then and so it was just like old school camera but wow didn't write the recipe down could still be on the blog don't know if it's good no one make it please (laughs) (laughs) I'm deleting it after this episode (laughs) so you had that like almost like a side hustle when you were at General Mills were you monetizing Ambitious Kitchen at the time no no I did not understand that half of it and honestly the ad companies that exist today and sponsorships with food brands did not exist back then so it wasn't in a way it wasn't even a possibility I don't think I started making money off ambitious kitchen until maybe 2013 and it was like 50 bucks a month like we're not talking anything big so yeah and I don't think I got my first like food sponsorship until 2013 either so I was just doing it purely for like love wasn't consistent with it and then sort of when I started working at General Mills, I really kind of amped it up and I was just working all the time because when I wasn't working at my corporate job, I was at home on the weekends, like cranking out recipes. So yeah. And then slowly but surely, like brands started paying influencers and creators to create content and kind of partner with them. So that was awesome. 2013, 2014 was definitely like the turning point for when I think people with like food blogs and like whatever quote side hustles in the Instagram and blogging sphere, I kind of were like, wow, like maybe this could actually be turned in something that's around the same time that I had started doing the time. So when did you like take the plunge? Like when did you know, like, damn, like Ambitious Kitchen is going to be able to like to support me and like hopefully my family down the road. Like when did you quit or resign or whatever at General Mills? 
Yeah. So I quit in September of 2014 and it was something that I had thought about for a really long time. It was, the decision was based on the fact that I was making the same amount of money on Ambitious Kitchen that I was making at General Mills. So, you know, I was just like, well, I really only need one income. Like I'm sure if I were to do Ambitious Kitchen full time, you know, I could grow it and I would be able to sustain it. So I wasn't planning on quitting. One day I literally just walked in the office and I just sat down at my boss's desk and waited for him to get in. And I was like, I'm quitting. <laughs> and that was that. And really no thought behind it. it wasn't like, how am I going to pay for health insurance? Yeah. I was gonna, that was like, that's always the first thing I think of when people are like, how oh, you're in a position like, like, why doesn't Jordan work with you? I'm like, well, what about benefits? Like, how am I supposed to get benefits then? Like, that's my like reason why I'm like, go work in, at a corporate job. So I don't even have to like think about the back end part of that stuff. Did yeah. they know about your side hustle? Like, were they supportive of it when you were doing it? Oh, yeah. They knew a lot about it. And it was great because I felt like I sort of had this insider access like to influencers and bloggers. Um, so I was really in on a lot of meetings and sort of my position changed at General Mills because of it. And I really enjoyed it. It was just, you know, but when you're not happy and you're not feeling fulfilled and you really have a passion for something else and you know that that's like your true calling, then really, why are you wasting your time doing something you're not happy with? And so at the end of the day, like, I just really need to take a leap of faith. And obviously it worked out. I'm so lucky and it's awesome. It's been awesome. Like a fantastic journey. Were you dating Tony at this time? Yeah, I have been dating Tony for a year. We were long distance. So I was like, yeah, I'm going to quit my job and move to Chicago. Bye. (laughs) And that's where he was for his job at the time? Yeah, he was actually playing professional baseball. So he was traveling. And then, you know, he ended up not doing that anymore. But his home base was Chicago. Did you have like an urge to live in Chicago? Or did you go there purely for him? It's funny, my best friend actually moved to Chicago a year before that. So I knew a couple people here. I didn't have a lot of friends. But I had always loved Chicago. It's very much like Minneapolis in a way. People are super nice, Midwestern feel, but it's obviously one of the biggest cities. So I just knew it was great for me. And now I love it. I can't see myself really living anywhere else. It's so nice. I got to go for the first time like a couple of years ago. I really liked it. I didn't know what to expect. And I thought it was me so much like Boston. I don't know why. I think just because I live in, next to the city, so like Manhattan. Yeah. Everything's like a smaller city, but I love Chicago. The people were nice. The food is great. It was such a great vibe. Um, yeah, when awesome. you had started your blog, was it always like central, like focused on like healthy food, like healthier recipes? No, 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 no. <laughs> so when I first started, I was going through this sort of like phase where I, I think it was sort of like an identity crisis because I had found myself in college trying to lose weight. And then I lost a bunch of weight and I had an eating disorder. And then I was like trying to to sort of compensate for that with making all of these really indulgent recipes. It was fascinating. And I don't know, I just had like a history of binge eating and anorexia. And so I was using my blog to cope in a way. So a lot of it was like indulgent food. I would say like a mix, but mostly like indulgent recipes. Mm -hmm. And I think I struggled with that for like the first year just sort of like putting out things, not knowing where Ambitious Kitchen was going to take me or whatever. And then I sort of kind of just transformed my diet and the way I was living my life. And so then I started, you know, obviously doing a lot of healthy baking. And then I would say that was like my bread and butter. And then over the next couple of years, 2014 to 2016, really cranking up like the just like healthy dinner recipes, healthy comfort foods. 
Do, would you say that by making recipes like just like your traditional type of like desserts recipes like helped you during your eating disorder? Would you say that like kind of helped you like almost like therapeutic? Were you like comfortable like eating the food that you were then making or were you just kind of making it to be more like? Yeah, I think I really had to go through that and make that food and be exposed to foods that I wasn't eating in my everyday life in order to kind of recover from that. And that was like a huge part of the therapy that I was doing at the time, you know, just exposing myself to more foods. So yeah, I was like making a ton of indulgent stuff and it was, I mean, it was good, but you know, not sustainable long-term. Plus I knew that that wasn't really where I wanted to take Ambitious Kitchen. Are you comfortable chatting a little bit more about your eating disorder? I know you have on, on like Instagram and your blog and stuff. Oh yeah. So that was back when you were in college, like were you calorie counting, like over-exercising? What was that spirit like for you? Yeah. So I lost my dad suddenly when I was 18. It was just like, had no idea it was coming. It was an accidental overdose. It was like two days before I went to college, two or three days. So I went to college a week after that. And I sort of just, I didn't have anybody at college. You know, none of my best friends were there. I didn't have anybody I could talk to. And I think I sort of turned to overeating. And then it was just like the only thing that I could control was food in my life. And so I started exercising a lot. And then in turn, I started cutting calories. So I was counting every single thing I put in my body. And I was writing it down. I remember like being in college classes and like writing down what I ate, I would be like 150 plus 80 plus, you know, this and that, and trying to estimate and then um you know, leaving room for what I could have for the rest of the night. Well, I have this many more calories left for dinner. And then like, maybe I can have a little hundred calorie pack for dessert. Yeah, exactly. And like going into the peanut butter jar, literally using a teaspoon to get like my peanut butter out, which looking back now, I just, I feel so bad that I treated myself that way because I know now that like, not about like the food that I'm putting in my body. There's so much more to be thankful for, but yeah. So that was like the history of it. And I just, I kept losing, losing, losing. And finally I was at this breaking point, my senior year where I just, I weighed like 105 pounds and for my body, that is way too little. And yeah, I was hospitalized. I ended up like, you know, going to this therapy center, getting a therapist. But it was something that I really didn't realize that I had a problem. A couple of my friends said things, but nobody was really like, hey, are you okay? Like, it was more like, you are really skinny. You look great. And so many people complimenting me on that, which sort of fuels the journey for, I think, a lot of people with eating disorders. So yeah, that is kind of the history. But it took me a really long time to recover because I really had to change the way I thought about food and obviously what I was eating and how much I was eating. But, you know, I would say a good five years of really practicing mindfulness and just changing my entire life around it. Was there like a turning point when you knew like this isn't a sustainable way to live? Like I have to kind of like nip this and and figure this out. Like, do you remember when that moment was? Yeah. You know, my mom sort of kept commenting to me. She was like, please don't lose any more weight. And I was like, whatever. And, you know, I just remember I was like walking up the stairs in my apartment in college and I sort of just felt like I was like out of breath or like I had like a heart palpitation or something was off. And I was like, oh my God, like, what am I doing? I had no energy. I was cold all the time. And then I remember I was just carrying around all the food I prepped like 24 seven. Like I would never allow myself to eat things that weren't in my comfort zone. So I remember like literally I had like ground turkey wrapped in green beans for lunch and 
I was in the car. It had been sitting there and I was like, I'm forced to eat this. This is ridiculous. And it was just kind of like a little bit of a wake up call. Yeah. I think that's like what people say is the hardest part about this is like, you have to kind of figure it out yourself in order to like help yourself. Cause at the end of the day, like your mom and your friends and anyone could have like stood in front of you and said like, Monique, like this needs to get solved or like we need to get you help but like it's never going to like solve it's like you have to like want to have control over that I think that's like people always some like questions and something that people always ask about are like if I have a friend that's going through an eating disorder like what do you recommend that I do I'm like just be there for them when they realize that this is an issue like there's nothing that you can do besides be supportive and show love and you know try and emphasize things but you know, it's at the end of the day, it's like that person's body. Like, and now, especially after having Sydney, like, don't you, aren't you just like, what the fuck was I thinking by doing that? Like, look how yeah. my body was capable of. Yeah. It's fascinating. I truly, I mean, having him, I was just like, what? My body has changed so much in the past year. And I can't believe just going through birth, like, like, I'm so proud of myself. It's not an everyday thought for me. It's not something that like, I feel guilty about food isn't something I ever feel guilty about anymore. You know, I just think of there's so much more to live for and things to worry about in life. So do you ever overwhelmed having all like baked goods and things in your kitchen, like by testing different things, like last week you were testing like the different birthday cake breads, like by having all those like around you, do you ever feel overwhelmed by that? No, not anymore at all. I think I'm at a place with food where like, if I want a slice, I have a slice. If I have two slices a day, if I have three slices a day, I'm like, I'm good. But I'm also not at a point where I feel like I can't stop myself. And so I think in the midst of my recovery, you know, I would be at a place where I'm like, oh my gosh, can I have like chocolate chips in the house? Because I have, if I have chocolate chips in my house, I'm going to go crazy. I won't be able to stop. And I think now I'm just like, I don't have an issue with it, but it takes time and practice. And I know so many people struggle with that specifically. Like they feel like they want to go overboard with desserts, even if it's healthy desserts, you can go overboard with them and just feeling like a loss of control over sweets. It honestly, it's just like the more you have access to these foods, the less you like really need to feel like you're going to have to restrict yourselves. If you can say like, oh, I can have this every single day if I want, it's never going to be off limits that was my whole like sort of mentality that changed. So yeah, I'm fully comfortable having whatever in my house. I had two cakes in my house last week. <laughs> I mean, I was trying to come over to your house. To, so well, that's the thing. It's like, I don't think it's like a reverse psychology thing, but almost like if you put it around you and you allow yourself to like have it, like by having like a couple of cookies a day and not depriving yourself of having those cookies ever, it doesn't make you want to sit there and eat a dozen cookies. And I think that's where like the relationship with food kind of gets like, I don't know, a little wonky. So you started sharing healthy food recipes. And do you think that that is when your blog really started to take off? Like, did you think that that was going to be like a niche for you? Like your comfort foods made healthier? Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny because my blog sort of took off based off of indulgent recipes. Like I had these brown butter chocolate chip cookies that were stuffed with Nutella. And that is sort of, where things yeah sounds crazy (laughs) they are crazy so good uh but you know that was sort of where they took off and at the time that was really popular because pinterest had just started people were like oh my god this is like a crazy dessert this looks good grain-free gluten-free paleo dairy-free that was not a thing yeah back then 
So people weren't looking for those types of recipes. So when I started baking healthy, I mean, you know, I was mostly like using like nut butters, coconut sugar wasn't a thing, like it was like honey. And then I've adjusted over the years based on what's available, what's trending, what I like to eat. And luckily enough, there's been a market for it. You know, there's a place where I think there are a lot of women, millennial women who like to bake with more nutritious ingredients. So, I mean, you know this, obviously, based on you having a book with doing what you do and all that. So yeah, it's it's been great. But no, never expected that that was going to be what was going to like really take off. What's your top five most popular recipes on the blog, like within different categories, like a dinner, dessert, a breakfast, a muffin, because you love your muffins? Yes. It really changes with the seasons, but I mean, cinnamon rolls are always my number one, which is funny because it's like indulgent, but that's popular because I'm like number one on Google. So it's like half organic search, half, you know, people actually coming to the blog and making them. And then I've got some really good, I've got these ginger peanuts. Uh, chicken meatballs that are super popular. I have tahini brownies that are super popular. I don't even know. I know so many recipes. I can't even tell you, Rachel. <laughs> I'm like, you really do. You crank them out <laughs> tomorrow. Where do you get your recipe inspiration from? That was one of the most commonly asked questions. Like, I feel like just by knowing you, it's from your mom and just like you always said, just she really taught you how to cook and stuff a lot. But like, do you get inspo from like going out to restaurants like back in the day when we used to do that or like, do readers give you requests? Yeah, I think different sources. I think restaurants is big for me, especially when it comes to flavor combinations. So if I go out and I have a salad that has like, let's say pistachios and blueberries, I might infuse that into like a bread or, you know what I mean? Just like flavor combinations that I love coming from restaurants. Yes, my mom is big. Like she calls me or sends me videos all the time of stuff she's making. It's a little wonky because <laughs> she'll be like, I made these like lentil meatloafs with like, you know, it's got like 12 different vegetables in it. And I was like, you know, mom, let's tone this down a little bit. And so I'll take some of her ideas and tweet them, which has been fantastic. But she's so creative. So it really inspires me. And then, yeah, I always consider the stuff that's trending or the new ingredients. Like, you know, remember like when turmeric first came on and was like a big thing, you know, I used a lot of that. And just finding ways to make things interesting and exciting for people. Because I think a lot of people are scared to try new ingredients. They're like, what does it taste like? I still get questions about what tahini is, you know, what turmeric is good in, things like that. So, What can you um, suck turmeric for in a recipe? (laughs) I can't. No one asked me about stuff ever again. I'm sorry. I can't with that question. All right, everybody. I just, I'm going to say this. If you're listening. It's really hard to sub things for almond flour because almond flour has fat in it. So if you sub regular flour, it doesn't always work. And I don't have the time to test my recipes 20 different times. I actually did a blog post that's like almond flour 101 and like how come you can't sub it so easily? And same thing with coconut flour. I'm just going through every flour because it's so hard to like nail down that ratio that like if they're called almond flour cookies, I didn't mean for them to be used with oat flour. Right, like, exactly. Know, makes it so different. Sorry, I couldn't yeah. have, but I had to ask you. Yeah, no, yeah, you. it's fine. <laughs> what your favorite subs? Now, when it comes to like the recipe planning process, do you plan things like six weeks in advance? Are you like spur of the moment? Like, where are you with your content calendar even now? I could be into September if I wanted to be. It depends on how much I want to crank my recipes out. So, 
you know, if I want to do five a week, I'll bust them out. Right now I'm doing a lot of republishing of older recipes, so updating photography. And so I like to include those like maybe like twice a week because there are a lot of people, new people to the site. And yeah. if a recipe is from 2014, a lot of people haven't seen them before. But um, yeah, no, I like to really be well ahead. And that's good for me just in terms of keeping my mental sanity. But I also know it's annoying to a lot of people because I tease things on Instagram like the birthday cake that I was making. And that probably won't go on until like August or September. And I know I'm going to have people asking me about it. But the fact of the matter is, is that it takes a lot of work to like make a video for all my recipes, photograph it. I like to test things like that multiple times to make sure it's perfect because I'm anal. So yeah, I like to be ahead of time. Like you make a recipe video for every single recipe? Pretty much. Wow. If if it needs one. Yes. I mean, I outsource my videos, so I have someone else do it, but you know, I give her at least two weeks to, you know, create it and deliver it back to me. So it does take a while from start to finish. Does the video content, is that more so for like Facebook and other channels and Instagram? Cause you're good about being like very like engaged within like all different platforms. Yeah. I mean, Facebook does get me a lot of great traffic if a video goes viral. Mm-hmm. Video, regular posts will not go viral on Facebook. So I am almost forced to do video, but I also do video because it's good for ad income and a lot of people watch it. So they'll appear at the bottom and then they'll appear on the side of the screen. And I think if you're new to baking or new to healthy baking or even like cooking, a video can be really, really helpful. I would love for them to all be on camera. That's, I love doing on camera videos. That's my jam. But unfortunately, that is. A, too expensive, and B, too time-consuming. It's so time-consuming to do those. Yeah. Yeah. And you'll see, like, even having a baby now, like, to have to coordinate that around, like, nap time or, like, playtime outside. Like, it's not easy to, yeah, like, podcasting like this. I'm like, okay, go to the playground. See you later. (laughs) What do you attribute, like, growing your platforms to where they are today? Like, what tips do you have for people that are trying to start a food blog or get their word out about their recipes? Yeah, that's, I mean, it's interesting because I started so long ago that the game has changed. I think now, obviously, we talk about being authentic a lot. That is 100% something that you need to do. You know, you have to be yourself. You can't imitate somebody else, do what they are doing because people catch on to that. They know you just really have to share what you're passionate about. That's number one. I think number two is engaging with other people if we're talking about instagram like commenting on other people's stuff asking people to tag you if they make a recipe just a lot of user-generated content is awesome i think now it's important to do like videos or igtv for things that you're making engaging with people in a different form because i think a lot of people are now consuming content in the form of video so that's another thing i mean honestly the tips are endless (laughs) And I feel like it's it's also different for different platforms, right? I mean, consistency is key. If you're posting on Instagram, post every day, at least, you know, if you're posting on a blog, try to post three times a week and have good content, like make sure your recipes are good and that people get excited about making them. So I guess those are my like basic tips. I'm so bad at giving tips. I'm oh, sorry. These are very helpful for people. When you're testing your recipe, how many times on average would you say you test it until it's perfect? 
depends on the recipe, but probably like three times. So I have to make that cake one more time. It looks yeah, so good. <laughs> no, but I made it with two different sweeteners and then I used like a different flour ratio and I, I got to nail it. And then, you know, cookies are less. Like cookies would be like two times maybe, but it just depends. Does Tony I, have a baby tooth? He does. He likes really indulgent things. So like, you know, pies, cakes, those are his jam. I feel like that's typical like guy thing to crave. Like Jordan likes like cake, brownies, ice cream. Like, yeah. Like my his favorite recipe of mine is like the one that used like like butter or sugar like the you know what I mean like he likes the more like yeah. things too like my like paleo cookies like whatever you can have those now do you have a team that helps you in the different social platforms and like organizing everything or are you working just with yourself yes I have a team so I Ava is my brand manager she has been with me for oh gosh three and a half years where did you find I found Abra, I think I just posted on the blog that I was hiring someone and I really didn't know what I needed at that point, but just knew I needed help. So she does a lot. Right now she manages all my brand partnerships and negotiations, all that. She also manages another person who handles some of my social. So she schedules social for Facebook. And then I have somebody else that schedules social for Pinterest. Abra is just like my middle woman. Like she kind of talks to everybody for me. Yeah, she does a lot. I mean, honestly, so much. She is now working on SEO and email marketing, which has been huge. And we recently did a website design. So she kind of like is a coordinator for all of that. And then I have a photographer. She's in England. She's amazing. Um, I knew not all my recipes, just some of them, but she does a lot of them, especially with Sydney now, because I Doing like a full photo shoot for one recipe will take, I mean, from start to finish, that'll take me three hours. And then it's like, especially if it's savory or if it's like, let's say like a cake or a pie or something like that, that's not quick. It just takes so long and I just don't have that time anymore. (laughs) And then I have a videographer that does all my like tasty style pans and pans. And then I have another videography team that does my on-camera videos. I think that's it. You're like really good at outsourcing. Like you're like good at knowing when to be like, okay, let's do this together as opposed to like doing it all. I will say that it really helped to grow Ambitious Kitchen when I started outsourcing. When I started being able to say like, I'm okay giving these things away that I grew quickly and faster because of it. And I could focus on the things that I really, really love to do, which is creating content being in the kitchen. And that's just like my bread and butter. Like I handle all the, oversee all the sort of marketing things. That's important to me. But I mean, at the end of the day, like I love being in the kitchen. Well, it's important, especially now being a mom, like, as you know, it's just like so hard to figure out like what to focus on when. So to know that you like, yeah, that is important. That's actually when Ezra was a year old, that's when I kind of said to myself, it's time to like get a manager or like something. Is it like something to like help? Yes. Good for you. And that's hard. But I had said like either an assistant or a manager, like dabble, we'll see. Like I couldn't go from zero to a hundred. Like I'm very like slow a little bit like that. So we'll see. You're so like very inspiring that you're able to like outsource that and like take people in and and accept help. You know, I like to have my hand in the jar though. So I'm like on like every email. I don't blame you. I don't blame you. I would (laughs) probably do. With your recipes, do you envision ever putting them all into a cookbook? 
Yes. And this is the question that I get asked the most. And yes, I have been with my agent for so long and she's fantastic. And I've had conversations with publishing houses and things have taken off. But I, at the end of the day, it's been really hard for me to commit to an idea because what I want to do and what other people want me to do is different. So we'll see. I I mean, it's definitely my next project. It's on my list. After I got my website done, my new website, I was like, okay, this is next. But then I had a baby. And now I'm like, how do I find time, especially during a pandemic? You know, I don't have any help. So it's hard. Would you say that's the hardest part of what you do now is trying to juggle being a mom and, and running a business? Oh, yeah, for sure. It's I feel like I'm always scrambling. You know, it's just like, I'm trying to schedule things around his naps now that he's finally going down. But I think eventually I will need a nanny so that I can just like (laughs) do some actual work. I feel like I haven't worked in months. And it's funny because like I'll do, you know, maybe I'll work like a full day now. And Tony's like, you've been working so long. I'm like, this is nothing compared to what I used to do. I used to work all the time. I mean, I miss it. I miss it a lot. But you know, just trying to even, figure it out. Even with a nanny, it's like not the same though as it was pre-baby. Yeah. Well, which isn't a bad thing. Like that took, like personally, that took me a while to like kind of comprehend. Like Rachel, it's not going to be how it was like when I was pregnant. And we know you work from home and maybe one day you won't, but he'll be home and you'll always be his mom. So like even when you have help or if you guys decide to have help, like you'll still be here and you'll still like, I still make all of Ezra's lunches and put his snacks together. And like, I like, I sit down and have lunch with him every day. Like it's just, yeah. And I used to literally do recipes in the morning until like three and then like not take a break. And now I'm like an hour, I'm tired. (laughs) Like this is like my, yeah. What would you say is your favorite part of what you do? Um, I mean, I love just testing recipes. I like getting creative and just, it makes me feel so happy when something comes out. And I feel like I just nailed it on the first try. And it was just like, I put a bunch of random ingredients together. You know what I mean? Like, or random ratios. I was like, oh, wow, that turned out fantastic. And I also really like seeing people make my recipes. That makes me incredibly happy. So those two things. And what's your least favorite part? Oh my God. Just like all the bullshit that comes with owning your own business. (laughs) I mean, like bookkeeping, accounting, taxes, figuring out health insurance. 401ks, figuring out your own 401k, like just so many things. I hate it. So now, I mean, that actually is a good segue into the next topic, which is Tony, who is working with you now on Ambition Home. So how did that come about? And I would love for you also to introduce like what Ambitious Home is and kind of how, what it's like for you and your husband to work together. Yes. Okay. So I own an online vintage rug shop. It's not only vintage rugs, now we have an art collection, but um, yeah, I started it our second year, but I had this dream. I went to Israel like back in 2016 and I had been obsessed with vintage drugs for a while. I pretty much spent the whole trip at the markets in <laughs> Israel, like trying to negotiate on vintage drugs. And I like brought two back somehow in my suitcase, but you know, it just ignited this passion in me. And I was like, I'm going to start this vintage drug shop don't know how I'm gonna do it like I made a website with my designers and my developers and Tony was like I don't understand like how you're gonna do it I was like I don't know I'll just hire people whatever it'll it'll make sense we were on our honeymoon and he was in this this new job that he just 
it wasn't working well for him. It just was not a good fit. They were calling him while we were on our honeymoon. It was terrible. And so we sort of made the decision that he was going to work on Ambitious Home. And he literally built everything from the ground up, like sales, all of our sourcing, like which is mostly from Turkey now. And yeah, he's been incredible. So he runs all that. We have a shop in Chicago. It's not open to the public, but we just store like all of our rugs there. So he, it's right by our house. So he works over there a lot of the time. And yeah, it's nice because we do both work at home. So we're kind of able to balance like who has Sydney and who's taking care of him during the day or trying to figure that out right now. But yeah, that's sort of it. Do you like working with him? Everyone always- It was a struggle at first. (laughs) It was. It was a real struggle at first. And especially because it was our first year of being married and having somebody that is your partner in life, but also like your partner in business and sort of like an employee, it's so different and you have to navigate the relationship differently. But no, I mean, now I really love it. Like we communicate so well because of it, I think. And it's just nice to be able to have him at home. It's funny because like we really don't get sick of each other ever. I mean, I'm very independent, so I need like time away, but we're just so used to each other. I was actually watching, I think it was like a IGTV video you did with Jord and you were like, I think you guys were like, yeah, we don't ever get sick of each other or whatever. Somebody asked that, yeah. Last night was like the first time in quarantine, which is like, what, five months now? It's like over 100 days. Yesterday was the first fight that we've had, like being home. And I almost threw a glass vase at his face. So like we went big for that one. But like for the most part, we don't think of each other. It's usually pretty smooth. Yeah. (laughs) A thousand square feet with a baby, a husband, like a business. It's hard. It definitely builds up. Yeah. Now, yeah. when it came to getting pregnant, were you guys like trying to start a family? Was it a surprise when you got pregnant? What was that experience like for you and Tony? Yeah, we, we had been trying for close to a year. And so we had actually just gone to um, the doctor and we were about to be a fertility specialist to get things figured out. And then I got pregnant that next month. So I feel like a lot of times like it works out for people that way. But Yeah, it was great. I mean, you know, I think I had wanted to be pregnant before I was actually pregnant. We had always wanted to start a family. We we want a big family. Yeah, I know everybody's journey is different with that. Yeah, so different. But also, just I think I have said this before. I think on one of the other podcast episodes that everyone like has a journey. So whether your journey is where it's more challenging for you to get pregnant, or whether it's like your labor or like something post labor, like there's always something that like, it's almost like the first thing that kind of goes not according to plan. That's when you realize you really have zero control over like what's in the future for your kid. Like you can't control anything besides like the obvious things, but yeah. Did you have an easy pregnancy? Like, did you feel good during then? I know you went like, you were a bit late to give birth, but like up until that like point where you like wanted to burst, like, did you have an easy pregnancy? Did you have morning sickness? I did. I was sick for the first, like, I think it started at like week six up until like week 12. I was like pretty sick and just like exhausted. Yeah, it wasn't good. But then after that, it was pretty smooth sailing. Like I was able to work out. I felt really good besides like some of the uncomfortable moments. I think I had a little bit of depression, honestly, like it was hard for me. It was just like, I think my hormones changing. And so in that sense, it wasn't great. There was a lot of crying during the second trimester. (laughs) The third trimester was much better though. And yeah, that was sort of it. And then my labor was completely awful and so terrible, but it's fine. (laughs) 
Now you had a natural birth, right? I did. Yeah. So I was reading a bit about it on your blog when you had first shared it. And then I was reading it again this morning, obviously, because I do like a big stock of, of like guests when I bring them on, but I'd love for you to share a little bit of that as long as it won't give you like post-traumatic stress. Oh no, I'm fine with it now. And I would totally do it again. You know, it sounds crazy, but so yeah, I mean, my water broke. I was 41 weeks. My water broke, um, which is usually like, doesn't happen. I know it happened to you too, but it happens in like 10% or less of, I think they were telling me first time moms, usually yeah. like you have contractions first. So um, my water broke, they made me come in and essentially like put me on Pitocin, which was, it was literally the opposite of what I wanted. and just like what you said before, like there are so many things we cannot control. Like I just, I felt like I had these expectations and it was just ridiculous now because I was feeling so frustrated that it didn't go my way, but whatever. Yeah, no. But then I was on Pitocin for a very long time. Like my labor lasted, I think it was like 36 hours. He was posterior, um, meaning I had a lot of back labor and it was just, I mean, I remember just thinking, and I tell so many people this, I'm like, in the moment, I told myself I would rather get hit by a truck. Like I was like, if I go outside, I'll just get hit by a truck. That would be better <laughs> than this. That would be better than this. And it, yeah, it was not good. But you know what? I'm so amazed with my body and with myself and just like my mental strength from that. And seriously, like because of it, I was like, I, I feel like I can do anything, literally. I mean... I just had like my wisdom tooth pull. I was like, just pull this thing. Like, don't even put me under. Just, I got pull this, this thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And just being a mom for the first time, it was incredible. So yeah, I mean, I if you want to read my story, the full story is yeah. on my blog. I'll link to it on the show notes so people can have easy access. It's funny cool. because for Ezra, I never cared about reading birth stories. I was like, whatever, like, it's fine. Now I like read everyone's birth story. I love to know like how it happens, like when it happened, like what you were doing, like all of the details. Cause yes. you think so differently now. Like even, I don't know if you feel this way too, like with moms in general, like I'm a very conversationalist type person. Like I'll start a conversation with anyone, but now when I see moms, I'm always like, oh my God, your kid, like how old are they? So cute. Like I'm talking, like, I feel like with moms, you have such a different bond that I always want to know like, yeah, your birth story, like did they have an easy transition to nursing if they nursed? Like speaking of that, how was your transition to nursing and breastfeeding? Yeah. So this is the thing, you know what? I was so confused when I started doing it and I took a breastfeeding class. So like, I don't know what I thought was going to happen, but literally this kid was on my boob nonstop. I'm talking cluster feeding like four days on end. And I didn't really know that he was like falling asleep a lot on my boob because they're like suckling, you know what I mean? And you can't like necessarily tell when you're a new mom. And I was just sitting there being like, oh my God, he's been on me for 24 hours. So it was like, <laughs> I felt like I didn't sleep for the first two weeks of his life. But no, it's fine now. He doesn't nurse for that long anymore. Like I felt like it got a lot better around the like three, four months just in terms of like him needing some nurses often. So now I feel like it's a little more like he's on a schedule and I can predict things. But breastfeeding is really, really hard because I think you give a part of yourself up in a way. You you can't leave and be as independent because they need your boobs. I unfortunately don't make enough milk to like have a huge stash on end. And so I you know, I just, if I need to like prepare for things like a dentist appointment, I have to like, 
pump and have that frozen and like know that I'm going to leave for this certain amount of time or have to be back by this time for him. So I think it really limits you. And also it's just, it's hard being a new mom and like you're recovering, you have to breastfeed all the time. You're their only source of food. Like it's the only 24 seven job that you will ever have. So it was was a really big transition with like all of those things. Do you think that like, if you guys decide to have more kids, which I know right now could be like a scary thought, but that you would be like more laid back and lenient about breastfeeding because I feel like after having Ezra, I was so rigid about like every three hours that I would have to pump and then this. And like, I had this freezer of milk and I was like basically giving out for free on the street when I was weaning. I'm like, I don't need this. Like next time around, I feel yeah. like I'm like barely going to pump unless I really need to. And like, just put less pressure, yeah. you know? Yeah, I think I went through like a good two months where I was pumping after every single time I was feeding him. And I would not make that much. Like I didn't make that much. I seriously think I just made enough just for him. So for me, I mean, I probably, maybe I'll pump like in the beginning when my milk is first coming in and then I'm just gonna be like, screw it because it was too much. And my nipples hurt all the time. No. I also think that like, I wish almost that I had Ezra during the quarantine, which I know has like controversial, like health issues to have him. But when it comes to breastfeeding, because I would have been home all the time and it would have been so much easier as opposed to me like sprinting from the city, like back home to like make it in time for his feeding and this and that. And I mean, you see that he's eating food and solids. Like, don't you almost feel like a weight's almost a little bit lifted off of your shoulders because he's not only relying on your milk to, to like survive in a way. Yeah, absolutely. And I think like to your point, there's like a pro and con of like definitely like having him during the quarantine because in a way I feel like it's nice that I'm home. I don't feel like I really have anywhere to be. But a part of me is like, but I want to, I want like a break. I really haven't like, we haven't had any breaks, Tony and I, you know, haven't gone out like once. And so that, that's really hard being new parents and just wanting like a little bit of time for ourselves. But no, having him have solids has been great too because he's actually like sleeping 12 hours a night for the past two nights. I know it's I just changed just stop saying it out loud though. Please stop saying it out loud because you're going <laughs> When I saw your story, I'll let, like, you, it's over. <laughs> I'll let you know how tonight goes. <laughs> what has it been like feeding him food? Like what was his first food? Uh, his first food, I think we did sweet potatoes. And you know what? I really wanted to do baby led weaning at first, but I also felt like I was in a place where he wouldn't like pick up anything with baby led weaning, even though he could sit unassisted, like, you know, technically he was ready for all these things. He's interested in food, but he just wasn't like putting it in his mouth. And when we started to do purees, he just eats it up. And so a part of me, like, I felt like I had to let that go a little bit of what I again, had an expectation for myself of what I was going to do and like what actually works with him. But yeah, no, it's really fun. I love being able to like mix different things together and he just like gobbles it up. It's the cutest thing ever. I'm obsessed. Wait till he could start eating like your baked goods and like when you make the birthday cake, like for him to try, like Ezra now eats like my cookies and like like random, like in operation obviously because he's still like he's only a year and a half, but like to see him like eat when I made like Reese's eggs, like he like loved it. I know you say it's cool when you see your readers making your recipes, but when you see your kid eating your recipe, it is just the coolest thing in the entire world. That's awesome. Yeah. Yay. I have two more questions that I didn't get to that actually had to do with more like food that I know were sent in. So I don't want to forget to ask them. The first one is, do you follow a specific diet or lifestyle? Like label it. 
No, I do not follow a specific label. Well, actually, right now I sort of have to be dairy free because okay. Sydney has a little bit of a reaction. And I didn't actually eat a lot of dairy anyway. You know, I'd have like cheese on my simple meals pizza or like I like yogurt, but so it's not a huge issue for me to give up. It was in some like hidden things, but that's the only thing that I really don't eat. Otherwise, I love all foods. I mean, I'm not in a place where like I feel like I need to limit myself and I don't have any other dietary restrictions. So. That's All so, is welcome. Yeah, that's how I am too. What is a day in the life eating like for you? Like you're like you wake up in the morning. Yeah. What's up? Yeah. So I wake up in the morning. I mean, every day is different, but let's just go off yesterday. I woke up in the morning. I had some bands, gluten-free blueberry waffles. Could care less that they're gluten-free, but they're incredible. I love them. They're so good. With some wild turns, peanut butter, maple syrup. And Tony sometimes makes me eggs. Lunch, I love doing quinoa salads. I'll make like a big quinoa salad for the week and just throw a ton of veggies in there and different flavors. Snacks, RX bar, or like some lactation bites from Majka or a smoothie. I don't know. And then dinner is, I mean, we've been grilling a lot lately, but I mean, I make a lot of my own recipes. I really do. So like I just have old favorites that I make a ton. And that's really it. Like I'll make um, simple milk pizza. So that pizza dough pizza mix is like the most underrated mix because it's so versatile. You can do so much with it. I love it so much. So good. And what do you think is next for Ambitious Kitchen? Like, what do you have planning for the future that you open yeah. there? <laughs> so right now, I am working on redesigning my homepage a little bit. I know I just read my website, but I, it's based off of, it's, it's based off of just user accessibility. I mean, I got a lot of people coming in and I got to give them what they want. So I just did some feedback and I worked with someone who did SEO and so I'm trying to figure that out right now. And then, yeah, the cookbook is definitely like, I got to get, I got to get that gone. So that would be my next big, big project. Well, I'm so excited for you. And it, if you need a developer for your site, like I really do have someone who I highly recommend. Like he is amazing. Oh, great. And I have five questions I ask everyone at the end of every interview. The first one is what is one wellnessy trend that you buy into? I really don't know. Rachel, I don't even buy into wellness trends. I just do my own thing. Like really I do. There's so many things that come and go and I just feel like like I'll try anything once. And my my best friend Callie is super into like I mean, she lives in LA. She's very into like all of the wellness like woo-woo stuff. So she convinces me a lot of the time, but like crystals and things like that, like tarot cards, but I, I'll try it. I don't, but I'm not like addicted to one wellness trend. And what is one wellness trend that drives you crazy? That's like a pet peeve when you see people posting crystals. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to make anyone mad, but crystals. No, it's okay. People say they, like everyone has the answers that people give are very much like relatable. Like people have said kombucha, people have said like matcha, like very like general type things too. Oh, is that a wellness trend? Because I'm all about kombucha. Like I don't. Oh man, me too. I actually think that you're like, very like twin mates, what would be called? Like, cause we would just be dating each other then. But like, we're very similar. Like a lot of the things when you were saying things, I'm like, yeah, I feel the same. <laughs> and the next question, if you weren't running shit at Ambitious Kitchen, what would you be doing for your career path? Oh, well, I'd probably be either a lawyer or a veterinarian. Very different things, but I could see myself doing both. I could see you being a vet. Yeah. I don't know why. A lawyer, like you're too like bubbly and like nice. Like 
be a lawyer, you know? No offense to any lawyers listening, but I feel like you're such a conversationalist. <laughs> what was your fast food order growing up and at what chain? Like your go Oh, yes. I literally ate McDonald's so much. I had got the number two in high school all the time, which was like two cheeseburgers and fries. Nice. And it is your last day on earth. What are you eating from breakfast through the end of the day? Okay. So for breakfast, I'm probably going to have to have French toast with peanut butter on it and maple syrup and maybe like a side of whipped cream. I'm just going to go sweets all day. For lunch, I'm going to probably have like a grilled cheese, like a classic grilled cheese with a bowl of tomato soup. Sounds basic, but it's so comforting. For dinner, I will have my mom's enchiladas and some plantain chips on the side with some guacamole. And for dessert, I will have an entire pumpkin pie to myself <laughs> with, <laughs> with ready whip. I don't want real whipped cream. I want ready whip. Sounds amazing. I will definitely join you for that day. What kind <laughs> of bread though for your French toast? Oh, I don't know. I'm a, I want like diner style of French toast. I'm a I don't know what kind of bread that is. That's why I was Okay. Thinking. Yeah, I could do that. I could do that. I don't know what kind is like the diner style, but whatever. Whatever works. Your last day, whatever the hell you want. It's fine with me. Well, Monique, thank you so, so much for taking the time. I'd love for you to just talk about where they could find you. And I will link to also everything in the show notes. Sounds good. You can find my blog at ambitiouskitchen.com. I'm on Instagram at ambitiouskitchen. And if you're interested in vintage drugs, you can check out ambitioushome.com. Thank you.